Hello there. Uh, my name is Jeff Stone. I'm a senior real estate specialist with Douglas Elliman in Manhasset in Port Washington, New York. Uh, welcome to my Zoom podcast on downsizing and relocation for boomers and seniors. And tonight we'll be discussing how to successfully live or age in place. All right. So we have five speakers here tonight. One couldn't be with us tonight, but I'll mention uh, 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 him, his services, what he does. Uh, that is important for people to, uh, uh, to live where they are. Uh, but I want to, at this point, introduce folks to uh, the attendees. Uh, and uh, thank you all for coming here tonight. I know your time is valuable. Everybody's working busy in spite of COVID, uh, as I am. Uh, and uh, we have Anne Margaret Carosa, elder law attorney, practices asset protection and estate planning. Robert Tolan, producing branch manager for Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, specializes in reverse mortgages. Robert Silverstein, sales manager for Citizens Bank, and uh, we'll be discussing HELOCs with uh, Robert. Uh, and Laura Falucci, La La Fauci, client care coordinator, right at home Nassau, Suffolk, licensed care, licensed home care agency. Daryl J. Zimbardi, president of the Zimbardi Financial Group. He's a financial advisor. And the person not here tonight is Bruce Gottlieb of True Contractor Inc. And he is a universal design specialist. He modifies homes so that you can uh, 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 safely uh, and smartly live in your own home. Uh, so uh, that being said, uh, I just want to mention before I drop off to Ann, uh, I became a senior's real estate specialist because I wanted to uh, provide information to those who may be looking uh, on how to downsize and relocate. Uh, and I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I know my mother wanted to stay where she, she is now. She's living in place. Uh, and uh, looking around, I saw that a reverse mortgage may be the right tool for her as it ended up it is, and it still is, all right? But that's not the only way to stay in place. And I say uh, live in place because age in place to me is a little negative. So I like living in place a little bit better. Uh, it sounds better. So I've learned so much and my state instructors here, Roseanne Farrell, thank you uh, for teaching me the Seniors Real Estate Specialist course, SRES. And it's not just about selling the family home and downsizing and relocate. What if the person wanted to live in place? All right. It doesn't earn you any money as a realtor. And that's what I am, a real estate salesperson. But what it does, it, it provides a service. All right, an expertise, you help people. And that's what you're doing in this field. It's a service field. And you know something, someone else, a neighbor might want to sell now, or they may need to sell down the road. Either way, I do it because I like to provide information. It's as simple as that. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to uh, uh, introduce Ann Margaret Carroza, which I've, I've known mm -hmm. for many, many years. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's great. Uh, uh, first question. Uh, to you, Ann, uh, what is the best way to protect one's home and other assets from being lost to long-term care expenses? Well, I, I think over the past 20 years or so, uh, we see a movement out of the mindset that I did a will, so I'm all done. Uh, a will is a, a very basic document. We should all have a will. But the goal is not to have to use it because a will goes to probate 
right? So a will very basically says my three kids get all of my assets. Well, what if between the day I write the will and the day I die, I had the bad luck to have a long-term illness and I was in a nursing facility for six years or I was at home with, you know, round-the-clock uh, nursing care in the house and there were exorbitant health care bills beyond what Medicare covers. Medicare and the supplement cover only up to 100 days. So if we don't have long-term care insurance, we need to uh, face the very real prospect that there can be a lien on the home. So if my will says that the house goes to the three kids, big surprise if I have a big nursing home bill because the nursing home will have their handout. New York State's Medicaid program will have their handout. So we definitely want to think in terms of having a trust. And everyone's heard the term trust before. We know there are two types, revocable and irrevocable. A revocable trust is very appealing psychologically, right? No one is the boss of me. I can be my own trustee. I can put my stuff in it. I can take my stuff back out of it. A revocable trust does one thing. It avoids probate. And that's a very worthy goal. We, we want to avoid probate. Even if the entire family gets along beautifully, New York has a minimum period by law that that probate has to be open. And that's seven months to give creditors a chance to come down to the courthouse and press their claims. So I am practicing many, 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 many years and I've never seen a probate wrap up in uh, as quick a time as seven months. It, it really tends to go more toward a year. And if there's any complexity within the family, forget it. If my new younger husband hates my adult children and vice versa, that probate will last for maybe two years. So if our only goal on this earth is to avoid probate, then we do the revocable trust, put the real estate in the revocable trust, and it will pass automatically at death. But the revocable trust ends there in terms of what it can offer us. Because if I am my own trustee, which I will be with a revocable trust, and I can get my hot little hands on the assets whenever I want, so can my nursing home, so can the Medicaid program. So. A revocable trust does not give us any asset protection, but it's um, a, a big fallacy that we have to go completely to the other end of the spectrum. A purely irrevocable trust is as rotten as it sounds. And to protect our assets, we don't need to be in a purely irrevocable trust no reason to be there. You want to be somewhere in the middle where it's strong enough to protect our home and other assets, but it gives the grantor or the grantors, if it's a husband and wife, the ability to make changes and veto the trustees being able to do anything without the grantor's written permission. 
really, really important. And I talk about it uh, in my book, Love and Money. Uh, Dr. Phil wrote the forward to it. I talk about retaining a set of handcuff keys. You don't want to do anything that you can't get out of it if life changes, you change your mind, you have a falling out with a loved one. So I think in terms of a hybrid trust, we put the home and other real estate into this hybrid trust. I must appoint another person as the trustee, but if the trust is properly drafted, this trustee can't look right and he can't look left without my written permission. His role is one, and that is in order to sell the property within the trust, the trustee can't do it without me, but I do need the trustee. And it's because of that little requirement, I need a trustee signature, that my nature of the ownership has changed just enough to get this magical clock ticking. And on the federal level, it's five years. It used to be three years. In 2006, it went to five. Um, on the New York state level, home care is currently a one-month look back, and it's jumping to 2.5 years in January. So people who get their trusts done, put the real estate into the trust. Again, if the trust is properly drafted, you don't feel the difference one bit. Uh, everything remains the same. At death, the property goes automatically to the kids. All of the capital gains get eliminated. It's a terrific vehicle. So we do the trust with the real estate. Our retirement assets are already protected by virtue of New York state law. No matter how long I'm in a nursing home or receiving home care, they can't go after my IRA or 401k or TDA. Uh, and then the, the last category of assets, the everything else, the wealth we're building with Daryl, um, all of that can remain in my name as long as I've set up a good power of attorney that when I get sick, they can quickly move assets into the trust. And I just wanna very quickly uh, address whether or not this is a DIY project. Can we do this all on our own or do we need an attorney to do all of it? And I think as with so many things in life, the answer is somewhere in the middle. I would not do this trust on my own. I, I would definitely recommend that folks get a good attorney to do it. I've seen a lot of garbage uh, come into this conference room where uh, I'm sitting right now. Um, so you want an attorney for some of the parts. However, for a healthcare proxy, a living will, I think an attorney should be ashamed of themselves for charging money for that. So on my website, I have free forms, you know, things that I, I think folks should be able to do. By way of background, I was a New York State Assemblywoman. I co-sponsored our healthcare proxy statute, and it is designed to be user-friendly. There is no room for error with New York State's healthcare proxy. So on my website, which is myelderlawattorney.com, no breaks, uh, I have free downloadable forms. There's also a living will, 
which uh, Jeff, this should be of interest to you, living in place, within the living will, I put language in there that says, in the event that I need long-term care, I wish for the care to be provided in my own home, unless that's not possible. So that's a, a little bit of the yeah. lay of the land with the <clears throat> asset protection structures. No, I got to thank you. And uh, by the way, Anne Margaret Carosa uh, uh, was uh, helping my father-in-law as uh, the uh, law attorney and my mother-in-law's estate. And my mother-in-law had everything together, did everything by the book, and it's a smooth process right now. And I got to tell you, I've seen other instances where people have passed on me, clients, and then nothing was set up and it's a nightmare. So, you know, get all your ducks in a row for sure. Uh, one last question. This is kind of like a, a curveball and, and uh, because of COVID now. How can we expect a pandemic to affect asset protection laws? Well, I think we can all agree uh, there's no area of life as we knew it a year ago that's unaffected. Um, and I think we have to look at the economy, uh, the unemployment numbers through some miracle that maybe Daryl can uh, explain. The, the market is surprisingly uh, seemingly healthy, but um, at a certain point, I, I think we're in for a, a retraction, an economic crunch. And, you know, during times of economic crisis, litigiousness, filing lawsuits goes through the roof. Now when we're unemployed watching daytime TV uh, and the, uh, my colleagues give commercials, you know, did this one look at you cockeyed? You may have a lawsuit, uh, you know, we're, we're becoming desperate. We're suing each other. Governments have, you know, asteroid size holes in the budgets. New York State, which I said two minutes ago, increased the look back period for home care from one month to 2.5 years. They did that before COVID. They did that when the New York state budget deficit was only $6 billion. Now it's 20 billion and counting. So I think, you know, the five year look back that we've had since 2006, I think we're in the twilight for that because governments rocked by COVID cannot afford to keep pumping the cash into these means-tested programs. So they are going to be making it harder. So I think the takeaway is, you know, we need to do what we can to be defensive. We need to share information with each other, have, you know, cross connections and resources for our own families and for the clients we help, uh, stay informed and definitely implement some legal protections. Okay, well, thank you so much, Anne. Uh, what I'd like to do now is to uh, go over to our financial advisor, Daryl Zimbardi. Uh, it's very important uh, sitting down with a financial advisor and, and going over your assets and seeing uh, what is possible. And uh, uh, so I'll go right over to you, Daryl. Uh, thank you for coming here tonight, by the way. And you're on um, mute, so you may want to unmute yourself.
No, you're still, you're still, okay, there you go. All right. Jeff, thanks. Uh, it's great to be, the, be with everyone tonight. I'm glad to be here. And uh, the questions I always get asked by people, they'll say to me, can I afford to do something? Am I going to run out of money? And then what do you think? And so I tell people the same answer for all three questions. It comes down to cash flow, and it's going to come down to your investment assets. So with, with, that, with regard to the cash flow, I tell everyone cash flow is king. And with the cash flow, what we do here at our company is we do an itemized cash flow analysis. And what I mean by that, it's a pretty simple concept where you're going to examine everything, all inflows coming into your cash flow, with any types of income, pension, social security, whatever it might be. And then you're going to look at the outflows, all your expenses, taxes, whatnot, everything that's, that's an outflow. And you're going to come down to whether you're positive or negative. And from there, then that's going to tell you exactly where you're standing. So once you do this simple cash flow to see exactly, all right, I have XYZ coming out, but I have XYZ coming in, but XYZ plus two coming out, then we have to sit there and crunch some numbers to see exactly what's going on and what we can do to try and help things out a little bit. And some of the first, the simple things we can do is you can look at some of your basic expenses. You know, even within the whole COVID scenario with the financial markets being crazy, yeah, we had an opportunity to refinance our house, which was great. So we saved money on that, which was great for my family. And at the same point, our mortgage broker said to us, but you know what? You're looking at your homeowner's insurance. You're paying a few extra dollars than, than you should be. So we actually saved about four or $500 on our, on our homeowner's insurance policy. That's just an easy example of looking to see what are your basic expenses to try and save a little bit of money to improve the cash flow. Um, I spoke with one of my clients today who was furloughed, unfortunately, and they, we went over to cash flow today and they were, uh, I, I picked a few things and they had one of those cable vision packages and I have cable vision too, but they had every cable channel you can think of, HBO, all, it, it was crazy. And they're being furloughed and they're paying $350 a month for their, all this fancy cable internet. But you know, you, you need your cell phone, you need your internet, internet. So trying to save some money, I suggested, you know what, why don't you keep a basic cable package, downsize it, keep the basic cable package, and then pick up some Netflix or pick up Apple TV or something like that. So they're going to do that. So they're going to save about $125 a month by downsizing the cable and picking up Netflix. You know, just, you know, there's certain things you can do, you know, really simple solutions to try and, you know, uh, maximize your cash flow. So now, <clears throat> once you have your cash flow, you know exactly, all right, this is where I'm at. This is my snapshot. Then you have to look at your assets. You know, if your cash flow is negative, say if it's negative $1,500 a month, that's $18,000 a year. Now we do an investment analysis on your assets, exactly how the assets set up. And when we look at the assets, again, there are two or three things that I always ask everyone to consider. Exactly, you know, what's the asset allocation? You know, what's the appropriate mix? How risky or not risky do you want to be? At the same point, what's the time horizon? You know, when are you going to need these assets? So for example, on your cash flow, if, if you're negative, you know, 18,000 on a year with the cap, then you know which assets you can use to supplement that negative cash flow. And at the same point, every financial advisor, you want to be tax efficiently and tax efficient. So before you just choose from one account, you want to look at all the different investment accounts and see, okay, if I'm going to take an annual or monthly distribution, what's the most tax efficient account to take it from? And with that being said, you know, then that can put you in a better spot. Now, once you know your cash flow, 
and once you know your investments is exactly what you have, then you can go forward. Then you know that's when we can have another conversation saying, all right, my cash flow is negative or my cash flow is positive. You know, does it make sense to relocate? Does it make sense to use a home equity? Does it make sense to use a reverse mortgage? There are so many great tools out there and we have so many even experts on this phone call as well that can go into more of these great ideas. But like I said, knowing your cash flow exactly where you're at, what's the current snapshot, and knowing the investments, you know, where you're at and where you're gonna get your money from and how you're invested. You know, and the markets, they are crazy today. You know, it's the financial markets, they're doing very well this year. But you know what's gonna happen once we get past COVID, you know, there's a lot of money being out there right now that's helping a lot of people, which is good. But we're gonna get back to the basics of fundamentals. And eventually Wall Street's gonna say, you know, there's, there's a lot of debt that we have right now. And at that point, you know, is, are the markets gonna you know, contract a little bit because of the, the massive amount of debt we have? Again, it's conversation for the future, but whenever we look at asset allocation to determine you know, the best asset mix, these are all the different factors we're looking at. Exactly, you know, on a scale of one to 10, is someone a two, like one being conservative, 10 being aggressive, are we a two or three, or are we a seven, eight, or nine? For people in their retirement years, most people are going to be in, in a lower number, one, two, or three, you know? And so you have to find the best asset mix, you know, that's going to supplement a negative cash flow. Like I said before, when that cash flow is negative, it's just not a matter of looking at your investments. You can really look at the other options. And that's when we can speak to other experts. You bring other people on the team or a mortgage person, you know, someone who does a HELOC. So maybe it's time to sit down with a real estate expert to relocate. Where do I relocate to? And things like that. But the common denominator for me is looking at a cash flow and looking at investments. Because once I know those two, those two key factors, I can really give someone my best opinion and properly advise them on how to go forward. So. No, that sounds really good. I can tell you the importance of sitting down with someone such as yourself. I know my wife and I sat down with uh, her financial advisor last week, and it was eye-opening, uh, but re very reassuring. Um, and we saw what we needed to do. Uh, you know, we can't party like it was uh, 2020, you know? I mean, just, you, you got to toe the line. You've got to cut down on certain expenses. You got to plan everything out. You go over your Medicare, which I just filed for payment sure. in November. Thank you. Automatic uh, uh, into the bank. But I got to tell you, it's like everything, you have to look at everything. And that's that's where your, your expertise comes in because you could save people money. But, you know, if somebody can't stay where they are, I don't know if you would, if that's your area. Uh, I know certain attorneys have told their clients, you know, you may want to consider downsizing and relocating to a less expensive uh, uh, place, you know, and uh, that's where I come in, you know, but I sit down uh, to consult with the homeowners, their adult children, any, any, any decision makers, and we talk it out because sometimes they make a judgment based on what they think they know. Uh, and I like to introduce them to other experts. So this way we understand what's going on here and then they make an informed decision. That's the best way to go about it. Yeah, so, Jeff, you're right. It, it's great to bring in other experts working on a team. And quite honestly, I'll use a person like Ann Margaret to bring in the attorney. I'll, I'll use a mortgage professional because I'm, I'm not a CPA. I'm not an attorney. But it's great when you're with the client to reach out to the professionals to put all the brains together. And from there, you make a team effort. You know, it's really what's in the best interest of the client. Exactly right. Well, thank you so much, Daryl. 
I know I pass by your place all the time. The lights on your cars there, and I know you're at the office now. So that's not a back. That's not a virtual screen there. No. Uh, all, okay. All good. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. Thank you. On to uh, Robert uh, Tolan, who uh, is a uh, branch manager for uh, uh, Nationwide, and uh, uh, what's great about that is that your specialty. You, your expertise is in reverse mortgages. Since I've known you, Robert, uh, I can I can honestly say that. And you've been at some of my senior fairs and exposed the Monday Monday. You've, you know, you, you're a good egg. You 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 stood there with me, and in the heat, it seems to be the hottest day of the year. All right, but uh, I really believe in your services and how you really care about providing uh, that type of service uh, to others. Uh, so, uh, Robert. Uh, I'm going to just come right out and, and uh, ask you, uh, you know, a couple of questions. But the first one, uh, what type of homes can you purchase re reverse for purchase financing? And what is that? <clears throat> thank you, Jeff. Uh, thank you for having me this evening. And uh, Dominic, thank you for that, as well as uh, Anne, uh, Anne, uh, very valuable information with regards to protection and cash flow and things to look at. And uh, I concur, um, and I'll share that in a minute. Um, but with regards to reverse mortgages, most, most professionals, attorneys, realtors, accountants, uh, everyone that I you know, network with and, uh, and help educate on this program, I always find amazed that very few people are aware that <clears throat> reverse mortgages can also be done on a new property. So we're talking about aging in place and the, the, most, you know, the best way to age in place. Uh, and sometimes, Jeff, as you know, we have you know, another few senior real estate specialists. The existing home is often not the most appropriate home to age in place, whether right. because of the finances of maintaining that home. Um, but I think that the, the new terminology today is not necessarily a downsize for, uh, for seniors or you know, people that are age 62 and, and above or even 60 and above, uh, those are kind of the qualifying ages today. Uh, but it's really a right size, right? What's, right, the, next, what's, the, what's the right property? It could be an upsize, it could be a downsize, it could be somewhere in the middle, um, but what does that home look like? And uh, for a lot of people, I would, I would imagine the elimination of a lot of stairs, right? As we're aging in place, we wanna be mindful of having a safe environment. Um, and naturally, you know, within the budget, right? We gotta look at cash flow. Um, but there are some people that are certainly upsizing, uh, taking advantage of financing, uh, such as reverse for purchase financing, to, uh, to create cash flow, right? To not put all their assets, if they do sell their existing home, to not take all the proceeds to achieve not having a mortgage payment to put it back into real estate. Now, we all know real estate's been one of the best investments, right? And we've all you know, lived off of equity off of our homes over the years. And I know my parents sent, you know, my brothers and myself to college and made weddings and um, was all done off of home equity over the years. So real estate's an incredible asset. But as you're, you know, aging up there, at, you know, in your 60s and 70s, um, sometimes you want to unlock that equity, right? For many people, your net worth is in that, that equity. So for many people, I see the big problem uh, with gentrified areas where you have a lot of aging seniors, including where I live in Nassau County, where seniors don't think they have a choice. They kind of stop living their lives. They're maybe in their you know, late 60s, early 70s. 
living on a social security, maybe a pension if they're lucky today. And they had a guy like Dominic that are helping them, you know, with their investments, their IRAs, their 401ks. But, you know, property taxes are expensive here. The cost of living is high. Um, and seniors are not able to take advantage of high yields uh, like they used to enrolling certificates of deposit and other, you know, high interest savings accounts. They have to take some risk in the market and, and keep invested in stocks and equities and a mixture of bonds. Um, but cash flow could be very, very tight. Um, unlocking that equity. So I'll give you an example. I have a next door neighbor. Let's say his house is worth $500,000. It's a split level home. He's walking stairs all day long and just waiting for a problem to happen, right? One small fall, a healthy individual at 75 may end up in the hospital with a broken hip and may not be so healthy six months later. Um, we hear these stories and there's, there's, there's cliches for a reason. So it does happen. We want to keep, keep people safe at home. Um, and I know my neighbor would love to find somewhere to live, maybe within the same area, uh, and maybe have a ranch style or a condo where all the maintenance is taken care of. But in my neighbor's mind, he thinks that if I sell for 500000 where I'm going to want to live here in New York, especially, if you're not going out of state, you're probably going to spend that same 500000 You know, it's not like you're getting, you're going from 500 to, to 200 or 300 unless you're really, you know, relocating to a different part of New York or where, you know, you're accustomed to. Um, but what people don't realize is that you can unlock that equity. You can sell for the 500000 right? I'm going to pretend for a minute that we're not, we don't have a realtor fee involved, but let's say you net 500000 right? You don't need to put that full amount back into the new property to achieve not having a mortgage payment. And that's what seniors are thinking about. How am I going to, I'm not going to get financing because I can't afford to make a payment, nor do I want a payment? I haven't made a mortgage payment in the last 15 years, right? I just, I pay my carrying costs. They don't realize that there's a, a program that not only if you needed money, you can, you know, use a reverse to stay, but you can use that same reverse to purchase a new property. And the math really works the same way. And so I'm going to speak in generalities and pretend that you qualify for about 50%, right? Five zero, 50% of your home equity. Um, so if you look in the purchase for 500,000, you would be responsible to put down 250,000 towards that purchase. You still own, but you don't have to make that mortgage payment that you would have ordinarily would do, you know, if you had to take traditional financing, uh, and that may be more appropriate for you if you're looking, you know, uh, to conserve some cash and be, you know, have some cash flow. You could also turn around and make an interest only payment to keep that balance in check and not be subject to maybe a principal and interest payment uh, at age 70 when, you know, in the first 10 years, if you ask any mortgage professional um, or real estate attorney, you know you're paying mostly interest in those first 10 years of any amortization schedule. So if you're going to get financing, maybe why not set up a HELOC, a traditional home equity line of credit, if you can qualify, that would give you the ability to just pay the interest. Or maybe utilize the reverse mortgage HELOC program which most people are gonna fall into that bucket in terms of qualification uh, and do the same thing. If you wanna preserve equity, make the interest only payment. And it will probably be you know, a good five, $600 less monthly uh, on a $400,000 mortgage than, than paying that principal and interest payment. Um, or if you don't have any heirs and you're not concerned about leaving your children equity or you don't have children to leave equity to, you can make the decision not to make a payment at all, which most people are familiar with, with a reverse mortgage, you don't make a mortgage payment 
you only are responsible to pay the property taxes, the insurances, any HOAs, or you know what your carrying costs are. Um, but that tremendously locks up a ton of liquidity, right? You have a 250,000 now to that senior that's in the bank, that's the legacy, that's money that hopefully that they'll have a Dominic help them with, a financial planner to, to invest conservatively um, and keep that money liquid, right? You created, you took that illiquid asset of that home that was no longer working for the senior. We made it liquid and they purchased a new home, right? Still ownership on the new home where they have flexibility of how they want to make that payment and create cash flow. Um, and it can certainly still create a legacy on the other end, uh, but it will free up a ton of, you know, I, I, I call it awakening the senior because now someone really has a life. They can travel, they can disappear in the winter months, maybe rent down in the Carolinas or Florida and feel like they have some money to start living again. Um, and I'm not saying someone's going to go out and live a different lifestyle than they're accustomed to, but certainly stop sweating the small stuff because we all know uh, that life is very short. So it's just, yeah. a, it's a great way to, whether you're aging in place, maybe look at tapping the equity on a reverse mortgage, but certainly I wanted to, um, you know, get the word out there and realtors are on the front lines, the financial planners, the elder care attorneys, we all are on the front lines and educating, uh, you know, what the options of, that seniors have today. Okay. That was my little spiel on reverse of purchase. In terms of properties, you asked me, what type of properties can we do this loan on? So single family residences, one to four family, single family residential real estate all day long. Um, and there's a lot of situations you can really think that that can really solution. Uh, maybe someone right. you know, selling a one family and purchasing a two family because they may have a daughter with a grandchild that they want to you know, now occupy a home together with. Um, that could help solution that situation. But one to four family residential real estate, condominiums for the government insured program, which most people are familiar with. There are two programs today in New York. One is the government insured program that we, we see my brother on TV uh, all the time talking about. Everyone knows Tom Selleck, my brother, right? Um, I was gonna that's mention him. That's the government insured program. And then we have, uh, which most people aren't familiar with, just last July, about a year ago, or over a year ago, uh, New York State approved the first private jumbo reverse mortgage, um, which you can actually get into the true equity of the home versus for a purchase or a refi. Loan amounts go up as high as $4 million. And the, uh, the starting age on that product is 60 versus 62 on the government insured program, the, the, uh, what they call a HECM. But the jumbo is an exciting product. And there's no limitations for condo approval. So as long as the, the price point for condominium is 500,000 plus, you can utilize that financing without worrying about the condo being approved. For the government program, the one that we all know about, you do need that condo FHA project approval for a condominium. Co-ops have been out, they're not, you know, they're not approved. Uh, it, it was, you know, Cuomo had the op opportunity to sign off on it uh, for New York to entertain it about six months ago. And he kind of nullified it. It's not happening. So co-ops are out. Condo is a maybe. And single family residential uh, real estate all day long, one to four family, as well as planned unit developments, PUDs. If any of you come across PUDs, that is also a permissible type of, uh, you know, residence that we can lend on. Yeah, the, but the max limit on the HUD is a little bit uh, less. Right. So with the government program, every year they're raising these limits. And on a what, how much you can qualify on is a percentage and right now, I would say 60% is a good number. Um, 
it, rates are low and this product is sensitive to interest rates. So right now, you know, at age 62, you know, you're getting into right around 55% of your home equity, but there's a cap. You can only get into 55%, 60% of 765, 600. All right, so that's going to be limiting. So for most people, they're only qualifying for maybe four to 450,000 max. If you have somebody that has a million and a half dollar property, you may want to start looking at the jumbo. The jumbo, you'll get into, you know, less what they call loan to value. Maybe you're getting 30 to 35 to 40%, but you're getting into the true value of the home. Okay, just a, a set of quick questions, uh, Robert. Uh, the uh, uh, requirements. All right. The eligibilities. Uh, what age is yeah. the money due back? It's, you know, do, is the bank taking my property from me? Can you make payments? Can your spouse be younger than the qualifying age, which is 62? Right. So, right. For the, so for the government insured program, what they call the HECM, it's an acronym, H-E-C-M, you'll see uh, attached to this loan, which stands for Home Equity Conversion Mortgage. Um, one borrower, one spouse has to be 62 years of age. We will allow uh, a spouse, which is often the wife, to you know, be younger than 62. We'll also qualify on the younger age, so a little less money will become available on this calculation. Uh, but upon, if we you know, we're face the circumstance where the husband predeceases the wife, the wife is still able to stay in that marital home as long as she can present that she can pay the carrying costs, the taxes and the insurances. She will not, however, have the, uh, the ability to continually borrow. So if there was a line of credit available to the husband, that dies with him. He was the borrower. The wife was a non-borrowing spouse. Okay. On the uh, private program, they want both borrowers being at least age 60. So right now, there's no uh, option for a, a non-borrowing. They want minimum age of age 60 for the jumbo. And I'll throw a name out there. We have some fairly sophisticated people on this panel. So, and Dominic will be impressed with this name as well. The uh, private program that the, who is the investor is the largest private equity firm in the world. Dominic, you want to take a stab at it? Who's the largest private equity firm in the world today? Uh, Rob, I'll let you take that one. What is it? BlackRock? BlackRock. It's Blackstone. Black, Blackstone, excuse Blackstone, me. Blackstone, yes. I'm hungry. Blackstone private equity. So. <laughs> Blackstone Private Equity, and most people consider them the smartest money on Wall Street or in, in the world, uh, they own the largest reverse mortgage company or the largest wholesaler of reverse mortgages, which is Finance of America. So it's, you won't see Blackstone Private Equity as the, as, as the you know, behind it, you'll see Finance of America, but Blackstone is the parent company. So they see a tremendous need and value within the metropolitan area, Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, all over Nassau County, North Shore, Hamptons, for seniors to be able to leverage uh, some of this home equity that they have, whether it's to buy or to refinance. And, uh, you know, and just so you know, it still carries the non-recourse feature that the traditional reverse mortgage has. Um, non-recourse meaning there's no personal liability on the money. So you technically don't have to make any payments on this loan. And Blackstone, as well as the government, at least the government has, you know, a finance charge to protect them. Blackstone's just making the bet based upon the loan to value and historical appreciation that they're not worried about any uh, negative amortization. Okay, just one last question uh, statement before we move over to uh, Robert Silverstein. And that sure. is, uh, before applying for HECM, you have to meet with a counselor. 
from an independent government sponsored agency. Uh, and because back in the day, it was kind of loosey goosey with reverse mortgages and got a bad name because of that. So they want to make sure you get all the pertinent advice to move forward and make a decision, right? That's correct. So yeah, and it's taken very seriously. So often I'll visit with, you know, the, uh, the, the borrowers and their trusted advisor, whether it be a Zoom call today or at their home, you know, typically at their house, at the kitchen table or at their, you know, their advisor's office. Uh, and we review the loan. But after them saying, let's go, they have to speak to somebody else. You know, we can initiate an application, but I can't order an appraisal. I can't order title services until the borrowers uh, basically interview. And it can be done over the phone, but they have to interview with a HUD counselor. And this this is on both programs, the private and the government. It follows the same rules. And uh, I actually love this uh, part of it because I always educate my borrowers going into the, this counseling call, um, but they want to make sure that they understand this is a loan, right? And the loan is due and payable when both borrowers are no longer residing in that home as their primary residence. And, and that the heirs will have, you know, up to a year to pay back, you know, what was borrowed. Um, and certainly they can sell the house. Someone can take out a loan themselves. But they want to make sure that also that they're aware that this has got to be a primary residence and you got to you know, keep the upkeep on the home, pay the taxes, pay the insurances. So a lot of the problems had stemmed from, uh, unfortunately, where borrowers thought that maybe the taxes and the insurances didn't need to, need to be paid any longer or, you know, that their wife would, would have no problem staying in the house. So all these things got corrected along the way. Um, I find it of tremendous value. My, all my referring partners love the fact that they have to attend this counseling, that they have to you know, get the certificate, that they complete it, that they're in the know, that they gotta pay their taxes, insurances, and it's a loan, um, and that they have the right, you know, there's no prepayment penalties. I think Jeff, you would ask, you know, can you make payments? Uh, I encourage people that if you have the discretionary income, you know, to make the payment. And every month you'll get a statement, you know, showing you the activity, whether you made a payment or, or, you, or you, you know, or you did not. Well. Thank you, Robert Holland of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers. Uh, Robert Silverstein, you've got the chair. Welcome, citizens. Uh, Thank you very manager. much. Thank yes. you very much. This is a wonderful uh, presentation this evening, and uh, thank you for including me. Uh, what I'm going to talk about is really a more, the more traditional mortgages, uh, including the traditional home equity line. Uh, the, the traditional home equity line is, is particularly uh, of use if you have enough income to support uh, making those payments and qualifying, and you don't necessarily need to use it all right away uh, or um, for a long period of time. You may have a temporary need. It's great for a temporary need that you're going to pay back and draw down again because it is a line of credit. But if you have a need that's going to be longer term, uh, more permanent, and you're looking for another alternative, then there are the cash out uh, refinances and even just a, a rate and term refinance as discussed earlier to get your payments lower and manage your, your cash flow. Uh, so the, uh, the cash out mortgage is the one nice thing about that opposed to the, um, the lines of credit is it's, it's a, a stable interest rate. It's not variable. It's, it could be fixed if you like, it could be variable for fixed for 10 years and then variable, but it's, it's really, it's a stable interest rate that uh, you can count on. And in this low interest rate environment, most people are just locking into the 30 year or the 15 year 
fixed depending upon what their cash flows look like. Um, so this group of people often have challenges with the qualifying part of it. So you probably know a lot about the mortgages themselves, but there, you may not know about certain ways that you can qualify. And the, the uh, higher end buyer or, or a person wanting to stay in a home with a higher end home may be interested in something called asset dissipation. So this is where you don't necessarily have documentable income, but you have certain assets. And if we look at those assets over an extended period of time, giving them a small or no return on investment, you could break it out and say, well, you could take a little bit from this at each time. I think uh, Dominic was uh, referencing some, some negative cash flow from the assets. We'll look at that type of a situation for qualifying uh, spread out over a 15 year basis. So there may be some folks that didn't think they could qualify that can qualify that way or can also qualify with co-borrowers. Uh, that, that's another situation that's available to many. There are specialty products out there for family loans that make it particularly uh, uh, beneficial. Uh, but uh, it's, it, it's about looking at your overall cash flow as, as we've discussed and really uh, seeing how that fits in with your monthly payment. You know, the question that I'm asked often is, can I afford this? And I turn around and say, well, that's not my question. That's Dominic's question. My question is, can, can I get you approved for this? Because there's a lot of people I can get approved for loans that they probably can't afford. And there are a lot of people that I can get approved, can't get approved for loans that would, they could probably afford more because your lifestyle varies that much from, from end to end. From that guy paying $50 for a cable bill to that guy paying his $350. You know, from the guy who owns that car to the guy paying $800 for the car. So, you know, there's great variance and uh, we can work through a variety of different ways of qualifying. Uh, and it, can, it doesn't have to be one particular means which you qualify for. So right now I have a, a borrower who has uh, what he considers to be a part-time self-employment. And he works a few hours a week and has declares some money on his tax returns. And that's not enough to get him by for the mortgage that he wants. But he also has pension income and he also has social security income and he also has some assets. So he's now going to make a change and he doesn't want to take, as Robert said, all of the, all of the cash that he has from the sale that he's making and plunk it down and, and, and put it right back into the, the home. So here's a, an opportunity for him to keep some of that. And the interest rates being where they are, uh, historically, you can beat these returns uh, with, without a tremendous amount of risk. And if you're in that asset size, your risk tolerance, you probably have that base covered where, where you can cover your base expenses on your fixed income. And then you have some area to, to play with and maximize. Uh, Robert uh, Tolan has uh, worked with me in the past and uh, I refer business in his direction because sometimes that is the best product. Sometimes it's best to say, hey, look, I'm not, uh, I'm not gonna wanna make a monthly payment. I, I have enough to pay my taxes, I can pay my insurance, but I wanna have more money to live. You know, a lot of people talk about well, you know, I want to be able to, to, to remain in my home. And why do a lot of people want to remain in their home? Big part of that usually is, well, I have children that I want to live around me 
and they live here and I want to remain in the same area. I don't want to move out of state to another place where my, where my ch children aren't going to be there and I can't see them once a week or every other day. So how can I stay in place? And sometimes you may have enough money to stay in place for yourself, but your children might not. So here's a situation where, and I'm not talking about my loans per se, but it could be a, a cash out refinance or with Robert, uh, a, a HECM where you take a lump sum and you're gifting that to one of your children so that they can now live across the street from you and help care for you and you can help care for their children and really have that extended family process. So there's so many different ways to solve the, the issues. I think people need to really be willing to do what we're doing here tonight, which is talk it out. If you talk it out, there's a million solutions and you know, try not to feel like you're, you're stuck in a square box. You'd be surprised the more people you talk to, the more solutions you'll find. Now, Any, let me questions? ask you this, Robert. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes things happen that uh, uh, the homeowner uh, wasn't planning on or uh, finds himself uh, in a difficult situation. <clears throat> they want to sell their house and they want to uh, go to a smaller place, uh, minimize their monthly expenses, all right, to uh, right size. I, you know, that's the appropriate term, to tell you the truth. Sure. Uh, but they just don't have a money enough to make a down payment on that new house, much less compete with other buyers in this market. Uh, so they're at a disadvantage. Um, but would getting uh, an equity line of credit established if, if, if they qualify, where they can use that for down payment, almost like yep. a bridge loan in a way? Well, Jeff, you know, you're absolutely right. And the, the, like with anything, uh, you're always best off when you're looking forward and anticipating what's going to happen or what might happen or what the worst case might happen. And a really good tool to have, even if you don't think you're going to be using it, is that home equity line of credit. If you have the equity in your home now and you, you know, now you may have more income than you're going to have in five years or seven years or 10 years. And that might be when you ultimately want to use it the most, but, you can go out, you can get a home equity line of credit. You don't have to actually draw down on that line. It's, it's going to cost you about $100 a year to maintain that line of credit for a good 10-year period of time. So that's, that's a period where the boiler could go and you could write a check and pay it back over a nice slow period of time. Or like you said, you get into that situation. I want that home. I'm ready to make my move. And um, I have plenty of money in my house. So I, I barely have a mortgage. You, know, you barely have a mortgage, so you have less flexibility. Get that home equity line of credit. Give yourself a little breathing room so that you can do something in the future, whether it's making a down payment on a new home or taking care of a repair or, or, uh, or any even you know, more delightful things like taking a vacation one day when this COVID all goes away. Yeah, well, in this market, you have to come in strong as a uh, buyer, and uh, and that's where the uh, the trick lies. It's uh, getting enough money into the offer to make it, uh, more, you know, it's uh, uh, more a, a pleasing to the homeowner. You know, more acceptable to the homeowner. You know, right. you want to put more money down. You know, it's they want to feel secure that homeowner. Well, and, well and, that's and it. The problem is 
if you don't plan ahead, then you get to the point where you're ready to do this and either you don't have enough time or you're trying to do two things that are competing with each other. One is to sell that home and the other is to pull money out of it. Guess what? If, we're, if a bank knows that you're going to sell your home and it's listed on the market, they don't want to make a mortgage on that because they know that it's, it's not going to, they're not going to make their money back over time. That's how they make right. their money back. Now, so plan ahead, get that line of credit in place. Even if you don't use it, it's a couple of hundred dollars over right. the life of the loan and it's, it's at a very nice interest rate. And you know what? You probably find little things here or there that it pays to use it and pay it back. Yeah, keeping the bulk of the money, if, if you have to, for down payment because you're looking down the road, but to use it to also uh, renovate uh, your current home because a lot of older homeowners' homes, I mean, we're talking meat of the order here, you know, six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000. They don't have a whole lot of money to renovate to make it more saleable, to get as much money out of the, the deal as possible, which they need. They rely on this. So, you know, taking out uh, an equity line, you know, to invest it into the house, make it more saleable, and using uh, the other part of it to uh, put a down payment on. Uh, I think that is, you know, probably the best thing that they can do. And they don't have to spend a whole lot. I'm talking about, you know, a paint job, you know, uh, maybe redoing the floors, some landscaping, some, you know, I always try to keep the costs of things down. So it doesn't cost them that much money. But what is makes it more sellable, more money that comes in that you put out. So it's uh, I mean, yeah. Jeff, that that that's been my experience in, in the business is that the people that go and invest a little something before they leave their home. I thought my home was in pretty good condition. I, I right-sized recently, and, but I <clears throat> looked at it with a different eye when it came time. And I was able to you know, do a few things that gave it a little bit more curb appeal. And I, I think I got the most money that I possibly could get from my home. Whereas if someone someone who comes in is thinking they're going to do those things, well, that's great. You know, We can help that person out with a renovation loan as well. Right. But, they have to live through it. And the mindset uh, in particular of the, the young buyer right now is not to go do it yourself. There was a time where, where maybe that was the mindset, but the, the mindset is, is really different. I mean, I, how are you finding it, Jeff? You know, uh, it's, it's not one size fits all out there. It's, it's everything's all over the place. But a lot of the times it's just real estate 101. People want to move. They need money to put down in the next home. They want to time it so that everything falls together. And it's a little difficult that way, you know? So I try to get, at least get the homeowner into a, a mortgage commitment. And then that's when you can go out shopping for homes, but you have to compete with a lot of buyers out there, which is sometimes they extend around the block at some of these open houses, which I've seen. So, you know, you've got to be ready. That's why you're having folks like yourselves, professionals lined up, whomever you need to talk with, uh, I, I set that up with my consultation. You, you do that. Get the information. It's valuable. Getting information. How much would you pay for good information? Because it's going to save you money in the end. Now, leaving it there. One, one, one more point that I want to make, Jeff, about that yeah. home equity line of credit with preparing yourself. You know, one of the things that people get stuck on is, well, I don't want to spend money on something I might not use. The home equity line of credits, the traditional ones through banks, they're not costing you closing costs. You can, most of them you can get with little or no closing costs at all. And, and as long as you hold on to that loan, you will have an annual fee like a credit card to, to keep it going. But it, you're really getting in there for, for nothing and 
maintaining it for next to nothing so that you are ready to make any kind of move that you need to make when okay. that time comes. So, well, thank, thank you for that information, Robert. Very viable. Uh, I'd like to go on who's been pa waiting patiently uh, for an hour now is uh, Laura Lof uh, Fauci, client care coordinator for Right at Home Nassau, Suffolk, uh, licensed home care agency. And I've known Laura for many years, the same seniors group. Uh, we've been around the circuit. And uh, I brought you in because of your uh, uh, intimate uh, knowledge of, you know, what homeowners may be looking at as they live in place to a longer life. So, Laura, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm you may have to turn up your volume. Can you hear me okay? So, you have to go up higher. That's as high as it goes. Okay. Let's see what we can do then. Can you hear me any better? Yeah, better. Okay. Just tilting the mic. Um, so, Jeff, you know, as I do, that the biggest thing out there is how do people find resources when they need them? And most people are planning in a crisis. They don't think about what they're going to need before they need it. And now we're in a hospital planning or we're dealing with a nursing home and we're planning in, in a rehab situation rather than thinking about what we might need to be safe at home before that happens. So finding those resources once you're in that crisis and just going to Google and, and that type of a thing can be very off-putting to people and they can end up with not the quality of care that they deserve or that they need because they're planning in that sort of a way. So what we'd like to do is educate the public to the fact that there are vetted groups out there that can absolutely provide those types of resources to them. And like yourself, you, I know you're still a part of AGES, the Association of Generational Experts for Seniors, um, National Aging in Place Council. There's the Senior Umbrella Network. There's some really good groups out there that have vetted individuals who are part of a, a community. And when you have that, one call can get you through to all of the other people that you need rather than just struggling trying to find that fit or, or what's going to happen next for you. Whether it's home care that you're looking for, home modifications is a big piece of, of what's gonna happen when somebody's coming home and wants to stay there safely. So thinking about building your team becomes one of the most important parts of what needs to go on in that environment. So what do we need? We want to stay home. Well, first is the home safe. So having a safety evaluation. Most home care agencies, including uh, Right at Home, will come in and do a no cost home safety evaluation, come into the home, make sure that the there's no slip rugs that somebody could trip on, that the stairs are safe, that the, um, the faucets and the heating systems and the bathroom is set up in the best way that it can be and give recommendations to make sure that someone can be safe at home. So those are all ways that no cost, no cost to the homeowner, no cost to the senior or their families, 
to just make sure that those things are being done. If someone is a veteran, there's amazing programs that they'll put in the grab bars, they'll take care of the ramps at no cost. There's some organ, uh, organizations out there that do that as well. So finding the resources becomes a big piece of the puzzle and the way to locate those is not Google because you're not getting vetted professionals who are part of a team. And when you Google search something and get, okay, I have XYZ home care agency, there's no one who is holding them accountable. Where you work with a National Aging in Place Council as just one of the many out here on Long Island, you have vetted professionals who know each other and they are held accountable. If John Q from such and such a home care doesn't do the right job, their feet are gonna be held to the fire. People are gonna know about it and you're gonna be protected. So it helps to protect the senior and give the family that peace of mind of knowing that they're working with someone who can wrap around their coverage and that they don't know what they don't know, right? So if someone's in the home and they don't know what they need and I come in through home care and I say, wow, John really shouldn't be going up and down those stairs and he qualifies for a stair lift and we can get that in for him or he needs a reverse mortgage. So we're gonna get those, you know, that in for him as a resource to pay for that stair lift. And I have all of those people at my disposal right in that group that we can bring in. And if I don't have somebody in the group, somebody knows somebody because there's such a huge network here on Long Island and everyone works together and, and keeps that team mentality going so that the, there's nothing that's falling through the cracks. And that's been a goal for a really long time. I know in every group I've belonged to, and I'm sure many of you have as well, seeing that you just wanna catch any of the things that are gonna fall through and make sure that they're getting the full coverage um, and all of their needs are being met. Um, other things with aging in place that is a big thing now is assisted livings. Uh, people think you can't stay at home and you know, you can only stay at home and age in place. Sometimes you have to move out of the home. And when you do, you can still age in place safely and successfully, but you need to have the right tools and know when the time is for that to happen. And if you've exhausted all the other possibilities that you have, and really speaking to a certified senior advisor, speaking to a case manager or care manager, who can come in and assess whether it's safe to be at home and then give those uh, ways that you can do it without issue. Uh -huh. uh, you know, you provide a valuable service or almost like what I do. I uh, uh, sit down and consult with the, uh, the homeowners and maybe the adult kids or, or so, and you do the same as well. And, you know, Based on our conversation, I may recommend either uh, stay where you are, which I have done before. Uh, why move unless you don't have to? Most people want to be close to their kids or uh, the, the home isn't uh, uh, built so that it would be easy for them to navigate throughout. 
it's a, actually it becomes a danger, a liability. Um, so you you go in there and say, okay, you know, you need some modification. You know, you look at finances, perhaps. They, okay, the kitchen can be modified a little bit. You know, get rid of the uh, the throw uh, rugs in the kitchen. Maybe if you can, if they have some monies, they may decide to lower their kitchen cabinets uh, or, or countertops, which I have seen, all right? Uh, some people are very proactive because they know where they're going to be five years from now, not where they are right now, all right? I've had a chairlift measured from my mother's house. Uh, she doesn't want one. She's, she's not that old. She's just celebrated her 90-year-old birthday, but she would rather come down the stairs in her rump sometimes than admit to needing a chairlift. So I'm dealing with that too. So, you know, I meet a lot of these tough uh, ladies and men, I, I gotta tell you, you know, the greatest generation, you know, there's a reason for that, you know, but in, in any case, you know, uh, kitchens, we spend a lot of time in the kitchens, bathrooms, you know, even have something as insignificant uh, or not really uh, the height of the toilet, you know, so that, you know, the knees, which aren't what they used to be, it's easier. The sink's easier. A walk-in lipless uh, shower stall, uh, you know, uh, an adjustable uh, shower head, along with a telescopic wand. You know, and all those things make sense. Thing, that we find is the resistance to getting that shower head, and how many people are so in love with it once they get it and see how helpful it is. And a lot of times, organization can really change. You said lowering the cabinets, but sometimes they don't have the money or, or the resources to have a full scale remodel done, but organizing differently. Yeah. Calling in one of our organizational specialists, like uh, Vinny Jacqueline, the organized guy, who's a great resource. And he can come in and show them exactly where things should be so that they can reach them based on their health and conditions they might have. See, I could see you, a part of this team, I could actually see you uh, uh, calling this gentleman who couldn't make it tonight because he's uh, still on a job, you know, and there's a lot of people that if they're going to live in place, they're going to go through a home modification process. And that's what he's doing right now, helping the people uh, modify their home so that it can uh, safely live in place. And that's Bruce Gottlieb of True Contactors. So you may call someone like a Bruce saying, Bruce, here's what I make, you know, recommend uh, you doing to the house, grab bars, uh, lowering of countertops, maybe extra lighting uh, throughout the house so that uh, 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 areas uh, of darkness, you know, more light uh, shines on them or outside, whatever it is. Uh, you make the recommendations to him because he can come in and make his own recommendations, but, but that's part of your service, right? Absolutely. Yeah. To me, that's, that's yeah. something that in home care, you really have to make sure the home is, is safe and well lit and you're taking care of from, from walking through the front door to the yard, to the basement, to the laundry area, um, thinking about every possibility. For example, I was just in a home this week where the client has a garbage pail right going into the walkway and she can get through it and I can get through it, but her walker can't get through it. So her thought process is, well, I'll just leave the walker out here and I'll go into the other room without the walker, but she needs the walker. So just a simple thing like that is a huge fall risk. 
she's fallen twice in the same area, but nobody thought to move the garbage can. Right. So it's just simple things like that, that another eye can, can be on the scene and just make that happen. And it creates a safer, yeah. better Now, quality. if you have a house, say like a cape, you can always uh, take one of the bedrooms on the first floor uh, or den and make that into a bedroom, you know. Uh, as for a colonial, it's a little harder, you know, uh, like my mother's house. Uh, uh, we set her up with a bed in the living room because she had fallen a number of times, hurt. And, but that's it. Living room is for entertaining guests. You go upstairs to your bedroom, and that's it. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, it's, 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 it's nerve-wracking. And, uh, but, again, all you can do is make recommendations to bring somebody in, uh, a specialist, to speak with them and i always meet the specialists there because they're they know me and they don't know the person i'm recommending so we'll show up together and uh, that's part of the service that i provide that everybody here uh, no doubt does provide and uh, this living in place checklist is really it's about 10 pages long and they go over every room in the house including outside landscaping plenty of lights uh, i mean i've gone through homes where they've had a pathway through the living room because there's so much stuff, you know, and it's like waiting for something to happen. Uh, a uh, uh, potential uh, uh, client, buyers, you know, the, the uh, Mrs. Homeowner wants to right size. Mr. Homeowner doesn't want to, but Mr. Homeowner has a real problem walking downstairs because he has a spatial uh, uh, issue and uh, he's, he's afraid of walking downstairs. Now, you would think, if that's the case, you would tend to right-size into a place where it's on the first floor, elevated building, or something like that, lower your cost at the same time. But, you know, sometimes we don't do things out of fear. We don't do things saying to ourselves, there's nothing out there that's right for us, or I'm not ready yet. And, you know, then we reach a point where it's just too late to do anything. So, you know, when I when I sit down with folks, it's 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 very serious. It's not about selling. It's about offering the, the best uh, advice you can give them uh, based on what is going on in their lives at the moment. So I know you all do that, uh, and I know uh, Roseanne's been putting up little message in here messages for me to read. So she's my little ninja uh, person here. Maybe you want to unmute yourself, Roseanne, since you're kind of like in the trades. You've taught me everything about seniors, real estates. And uh, I know you have a, a few questions, I think, or just to say hello. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I was wondering, Laura, how do we contact you? What is your, your website? Do you have a, a link? How do we I have it on the end. I'll show it to you. Oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. My comment for Robert then is, um, Robert, could you clarify... I think everybody should be muting themselves because there's a lot of, um, okay. Um, Robert, could you clarify regarding the reverse, the um, fact that there's no mortgage tax um, and uh, is there one on the jumbo? And also, you know, when we talk about the, the, the one who's 62 or older or 60 and the spouse, isn't it true that it doesn't have to be a married couple? It could be a mother and her daughter who lives with her, et cetera. So can you cover that? Sure. So with regards to New York State, there is a, an exemption of the New York State mortgage tax uh, on this program. And that is the case for the home safe as well. However, if we hit the million dollar you know, loan size and you're subject to a mansion tax, uh, that's something separate. 
the, the, the New York State mortgage tax is exempt. Um, with regards to the non-borrowing spouses, um, what was the, I'm sorry, the question oh, on that was? The question was, it, is it true that it doesn't have to be a married couple? Right. No, it could be a boyfriend, girlfriend. I did a reverse for purchase. Uh, they were cohabitating, uh, two uh, divorced, uh, you know, people in their early, right. one was in late 60s, early 70s. Um, that was fine. They don't have to be married. They can be co-borrowers. Um, uh, but they, in order to, for someone to be younger than 62, it does have to be a spouse. Right. So we can, in the, with children, we can have children, they would be considered a non-borrowing resident. Um, I'm actually doing a loan that I'm closing on tomorrow morning, where there's three sisters, used to be four sisters, one of the sisters had passed. So we have three sisters, uh, one that lives in Manhattan, one that lives on the North Shore in Bayville, and one that resides in this first, the subject property, which is in Baldwin, uh, as the primary residence, and we're doing the reverse mortgage on uh, the sister who has the reverse mortgage, you know, who lives in Baldwin. The other two sisters will stay on the deed. They have, uh, they're, they're attending the closing as well. They are considered non-borrowing residents um, and they don't have to relinquish any ownership. The home right. will pass if, if uh, my, if I will borrow in Baldwin, the sister in Baldwin predeceases, the home will pass, you know, to the two sisters. Now they will be subject, they will have to pay off that loan within about a year's time. Uh, they're granted six months and they get 290 days uh, extension by HUD rules. Um, the 290 day extension should be put in writing. And I tell this to everybody and it's not just reverse specific. Uh, unfortunately, many realtors over the years that I've come into contact with have only seen uh, the negative of a reverse when someone's doing a short sale and they're, uh, they can't find who they, you know, whether there's equity or not and they're, they're dealing with the servicer and it's usually an unpleasant situation because often there's no equity, so there's no communication. Mm -hmm. But it's really just like anything in life. And I find that as long as there's communication, all is okay. So upon the death of mom or dad, um, and you inherit a home, they expect within a reasonable period of time, within 30 days, yes, during the grieving process, that you need to reach out and say, I stand to inherit this home. I was left my mom's home with my siblings, never. Um, but you, you know, this person was typically named as the alternative contact uh, at the application stage when this, uh, as well as was named, you know, listed in the closing package as the person that is responsible to inform the servicer when either one or both of your pa uh, mom or dad, you know, are, are now deceased and the loan is due and payable. But from that point going forward, as long as there's communication on a monthly basis and knock on wood, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Uh, reverse mortgages since 2007 and I'm happy to say that I've never had a negative experience with either a, a borrower or a, a child or you know someone that inherited the home that came back and said I wish I would have never done that loan I didn't know or this or that everybody's in the know and if, if you stand to inherit uh, an asset you're gonna I'm sure be in the know as well uh, but but children do if there's no you know people are living longer today and a lot of these loans designed years ago were really giving seniors a little bit too much money. That's, that's the reality. So we are finding that loans that were done back in the early 2000s, um, there's a chance that if mom or dad is now 90 and they've had this loan for 20 years, then may or may not be equity. Um, mm -hmm. And the children have the right to say, listen, I don't want to deal with it. I know there's no equity. 
here are the keys. That was the, you know, that was the deal that was made. Uh, mm -hmm. But often I would say the newer loans, I would say from 2008, 2010, post uh, financial crisis, a lot of modifications were made to these loans where they're designed even more so now where there should be equity um, in these homes. Um, so, And people are also using this uh, to, as, as a tool very differently than they had to uh, years ago. Uh, many years ago, people you know, looked at this loan as a, as a last resort to put a Band-Aid on a problem, where today I would say better than 50% of the people I speak with uh, have other means, they have other assets, they have pensions, social securities. This is more of a want. They're living older, they have children, they have grandchildren, they, they know life is short and they wanna, they wanna map, they understand money and they understand being charged interest on borrowed money. Uh, they're a little bit more sophisticated than the, uh, the Great Depression uh, generation that didn't borrow. Um, you know, this is my, you know, this is my mom's age. Uh, my mom's in the late seventies. My dad would have been in his late seventies today. They understand, you know, making money on borrowed money or utilizing money, uh, you know, for, for their advantage, whether that be to send children or grandchildren to the college of their choice, uh, to take that family trip that they want to take, um, or to disappear in the wintertime. Like I said, I think is a huge tool to access home equity. Uh, to pay $2,000 or $3,000 and get out of here during the winter months, I think is a home run for Long Island and uh, its surrounding areas. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, I, I'm such a proponent of reverse. We talk about it in so many courses, uh, not just SRES, but there's other courses where it comes up, of course, as well as just in our regular real estate lives. We go to a, uh, you know, to a seller's home who's thinking about selling and isn't really sure yet. And, you know, when we query, when we do our counseling with them, very often they do really don't want to. They call this in because they thought they had to. And therefore, we mention you guys. And I am such a proponent of the reverse, not just um, to stay in the home, the reverse for purchase, the credit line is such an investment tool now. Like you're saying, come on, you know, nobody's going to pull that from you. Imagine if you took, uh, if you're going to stay, imagine if you took a credit line when you're 62 and never touched it till you're 82. Holy cow. What, oh, yeah. what you're referencing, Roseanne, if I may add, is I don't know if we touched on this. One of the great parts of the, uh, the line of credit option uh, with the HECM, the home equity conversion mortgages. So in the example, you have a $500,000 home and you create you know, a $250,000, $300,000 line of credit, just in case, that money has a growth feature tied to it. Now, you're not making money, but the, the whole premise of the loan is to age in place. So, um, you know, the money basically will double at today's interest rates. It will double in about 18 to 20 years. So if you do this at 62, to your point, Roseanne, at age 82, that $300,000 line of credit is now valued at $600,000. And Regardless of the home value, you can pull it all out. It's guaranteed. You know, right. we had a, uh, you know, with Rob, I know, you know, with the traditional lines of credit, we've seen even with COVID and back in the financial crisis, we saw banks pulling back on those line of lines of credit. Or I know in my, uh, my own personal experience, my father-in-law, who has a flooring company, in 2008, he got a call while we were in Mexico saying they're shutting down his credit lines. He couldn't use them for business. So this is a guaranteed line of credit. The growth rate is guaranteed and the growth rate mirrors, it's identical to the rate you're getting charged. So right now I think the bank rate's about 2.8% typically on this loan and the government charges a half a percent in insurance. So effectively 
You're being charged 3.3 for three and three eighths to borrow money. Your line of credit will grow with that same three and three eighths. It's always mirroring what you're being charged. So it's just a nice little neat feature, uh, you know, to, for the line of credit uh, to, and, and you can pay in and take out. So it really is a very cool tool. Another benefit that some people don't recognize and, and it, it's what stops them from even thinking about pulling uh, cash out of the current home is that they think it's taxable income, which of course it's not because we all, we all know that because, you know, home equity loans aren't, aren't income. Um, right. and, and they're sort of worried that if they get it, oh my God, they're going to lose their HEAP program or any of the other Asian True. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yes, that's a, a great, great point. You know, you paid off your home, right, with after-tax dollars. This is your home equity. So it's a loan. You're not going to be, it's not considered taxable income. It, it's basically you're taking out a loan against the house, right? So if you kind of make the analogy with, I, if I had a credit card and they advanced me money, my, is that taxable income? No, it's a loan. Um, it's just that this is a secured loan, right? So. so it's all about education and it always is. And that's why I think it's Jeff, I congratulate you. You know, I'm your cheerleader. I, um, I congratulate you for doing this kind of a program, especially that you're recording it. And then uh, the other agents at Element and all anybody, anybody who follows you and a lot of people do can just revisit this and learn. So I congratulate you. Good job, buddy. Well, thank you, Roseanne. That's high praise coming from the master. Um, I want to thank everybody who showed here tonight, uh, their valuable uh, information, their, their time. Uh, Ann Margaret Carroza, uh, elder law attorney, Robert Tolland, uh, branch manager nationwide, mortgage brokers, uh, bankers, Robert Silverstein, sales manager of Citizens Bank, Laura LaFauci, client care coordinator of Right at Home, Nassau Suffolk, a licensed home care agency, Daryl Zimbardi, president of the Zimbardi Financial Group, uh, and Bruce Gottlieb, who couldn't be here tonight, true contractor uh, with home modifications. Uh, and that's it. So uh, thanks once again for being here, for your support. And uh, the link will be put up. Uh, and uh, we'll talk soon, guys. Okay? So Thanks so much. All right. Thanks very much. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. Great meeting, everybody. All right. Bye.